No on 15 is the way to vote. No on 15. No on 15. And to me, if you ever want to change the will of the people, yep. you go straight to the Hotel Coral Essex. You throw a party. And you throw a party. Not just a party. <laughs> But you throw a vote no on 15 (laughs) rap music party. And that takes us to my movie, Max. A little trip down uh, Justice Lane called Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. Welcome to Buzz in the Tower, a podcast dedicated to the movies of the 1980s. Our mission is to take you on a most excellent adventure through time. Buzz in the Tower is so much more than a podcast. It's the map to One-Eyed Willie's treasure. And all you have to do is sit back, listen, and repeat after me. Klaatu! Barata! Buzz in the Tower answers the questions you didn't even know you had. Like who would win in a fight? John Rambo or Hans Gruber? Or who is dreamier? Jake Ryan or Marty McFly? So as we rank, debate, and offer fresh takes of the best of the best from 80s cinema, please remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to a podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Don't forget to subscribe to Buzz in the Tower on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For bonus content, you can find us on all social media channels by searching our handle at Buzz in the Tower. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us with topics you'd like us to talk about, visit our website, buzzinthetower.com. That's B-U-Z-Z-N, thetower.com. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Verde Media. Max, I couldn't be happier with the way our website looks. So good. Yeah, if you haven't had a chance to take a look at our website yet, you need to right away. These guys, website development, online marketing, they are outstanding. Am I exaggerating at all? It is so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend having them build you one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, look, they're the best of the best. And working with John, uh, their owner, a self-admitted 80s martial arts movie nerd was an absolute joy. Is that why you said the best of the best? That is why I said yeah. that was a tip of the hat to John. Um, they're more than our sponsor. They're our partner. And if you are looking to build a website, they are the group to go to. Uh, find their link on our website and check them out, Verde Media. Today's episode, Guiltier Pleasures 80s Movie Edition. 29 episodes ago, our guilty pleasures were put on display for all to judge. Blind Fury, Masters of the Universe, Howard the Duck, and Next of Kin were some of the decadent choices we served up. But that was then, and this is now. We've developed trust with you. We can truly be ourselves. Today on Buzz in the Tower, we'll dive into our favorite 80s movies we're ashamed to talk about. I'm Mo Shapiro, and joining me as always, the fun's a noon to my Jack Hartoonian, Max Sanders. And with that, let's get guilty. You should be embarrassed that Caddyshack 2 is on your list. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> easy. He's back. Mo and Max are back. I had to watch this dumpster fire. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, this is supposed to be like a safe place for us to talk about our guilty pleasures. Well, it would have been a safe place if you picked one movie I'd seen before. You're oh, like, yeah, yeah, I man. got it. I had to watch all five of yours in two days. And then, then we postponed for two weeks. I have not sat in front of you. With a microphone in my face in three weeks, yeah. two weeks. How was COVID? Scale of one to hundred. Oh man, it was rough. It was, was it rough. Fun? It was not fun. Okay. I did not enjoy any part of it. But the I heard show it's like living in your car. It's well, fun. the the toughest part of having COVID was knowing that you had to record like six lines and be prepared to launch <laughs> the second Nightmare on Elm Street episode. Took so. me fifteen minutes. Max, it's good to be back. Do you miss me? Not at all. <laughs> not even in the like. I I I realize. I mean, obviously, again, I'll say it again. I hope Selena and her family are doing well. Um, and that kind of started this weird patch of you and I not recording. You had her grandmother's funeral to attend and to take care of with her. And then shortly after that, I got COVID. So I'd like to say that I learned some like <laughs> less like eighties movie lesson where I was like, it all made sense. And the two needed each other, but I just, I really enjoyed not being around you. <laughs> <laughs> what movie is that where the two people learned they needed each other? Every movie, <laughs> every single eighties like movie, one? name an eighties movie, Rain Man, they, didn't Rain need Man they needed each other. No, they didn't. That, that was the whole point of the he movie. The train. It doesn't matter, but he learned that by having Raymond in his life, <laughs> it was better than not having him in his life. That's true. N- name any 80s movie you want. Pick one. Go. Stand by me. Stand, 
You're picking the easiest movies. They, they fell apart. They drifted apart afterwards. The whole purpose of that movie. He didn't talk to Chris in 10 years. It doesn't matter because in that moment, in that place, <laughs> they needed each other. Yeah, but not for the long when term. When we're done with Buzz in the Tower, yeah. I will never talk to you again. <laughs> but right now, I need you. So it makes perfect sense. Like the Goodwill Hunting, you just want me to leave? Sometimes I wish I'd show up at the recording studio <laughs> and you just wouldn't be here. No goodbye. No, oh, nothing. be the best. <laughs> oh, man, we're on fire today. Yeah. All right. So let yeah. So let's... <laughs> Let's let's get all the laundry folded and put away in the closet real quick. I have a maid for that. That's uh, people are gonna like that. That's uh, that's good. <laughs> I don't actually. No, that's no, okay. You, no. you do. You do. No, no. I had a college laundry service where I dropped it off. Do you think for 10 that years. anybody is interested in this? My laundry's pretty. Interesting. Sit there and be quiet. And let, gotta wash let, the dryer let, two let, years let daddy ago. do his work. Yeah, all right. Okay. Let daddy do his work. It's creepy. It's super creepy. Please don't call me daddy. Daddy. I'm sorry. What? Sorry, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure if you can keep that in. Go to TikTok. <laughs> And check out our Buzz in the Tower flyby. Comment on it, like it, share it, be entered to win a gift card from our sponsors, 80stees.com, the best online store to purchase 80s tees in the world, in the universe. It's possibly the best website of all time. It is. It is. You keep calling it the best website. That's such like a like know, a grandfather's. Oh, that's a good website you got there. <laughs> We're talking about the 80s. That's all right. That's fair. That's fair. Today we're going to do, it's kind of part two, but we liked the name Guiltier Pleasures yeah. instead of Guilty Pleasures. Like it's you us said. decadent. Nice, Delicious. Nice uh, mutton lettuce tomato sandwich <laughs> where the mutton is nice and lean. Tomatoes uh, ripe. Of all the episodes we do, and by the way, how many times have you heard me say this? Of all the episodes we do, this is one of my favorites, but I really am partial to this because a lot of, but a lot of people would argue that the entire catalog of movies in the 80s are all guilty pleasures. So like when you and I are like- Empire Strikes Back, is uh, it? But you and I are like fiercely fighting that like Big Trouble in Little China is like cinematic gold. And there are people like, no, it's all sugar, sweet, yeah, decadent, we're not, we're like not, guilty pleasure. We're not doing Paris, Texas or like The Shining. Right. Or right. Yeah, yeah. Like the real movies. Right. We, we love what we love. Amadeus. But that's kind of the funny part about this is that within the boundaries that you and I, what what are, what are we, Max? Trash, Trash pandas. pandas. Yeah. You and I love garbage, even though we love garbage. Yeah. These are like the cream of the crop of the dumpster for us. It's like the bottom. It's yeah, the bottom you're layer. right. It is. It is. <laughs> this is, this been is cooking around. This the is catfish food. <laughs> you know, like the catfish, they roam at the bottom of the water. And you been catfishing? I have been thumbing. You ever been thumbing? No, that's, oh, what, that's where you use, you your, use your hand, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never done that, but I have been catfishing. There should be a horror movie about catfish. Yeah. Well, catfishing is where you pretend to be. So I do that kinda, all the time. You do. <laughs> I'm a 22 year old Swedish model. Oh my God. That's you and your bad jokes. All right. So I have nothing else. There's no rules on this one. There's nothing right. other, other than I'm so happy. Again, every episode's a little bit different. So sometimes we don't share our list ahead of time yeah. on this one. We shared our list ahead of time. And there were two movies on here. One I had not seen forever. I had to rewatch one. I'd never seen before. And when we get to this one, I got a lot to talk about. <laughs> I go, I'm no, I'm like, I actually feel like a fraud for not having seen this movie because yeah. a, I loved it, but there's another reason that I feel like a fraud. And, and other than that, I think on my list, there were four movies of the five that you hadn't five. seen five, no. five for five. You've yeah. not seen any of the movies on my you list. You gave me 48 hours and you hadn't seen any of them. Nope. And I watched that. Is spectacular. Kind of fun, actually. Because my list is straight fire. No, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, it's the best. You're two for five. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, two we already, half, we already know you don't like Kayshek, too. Max, I'm going to let you start. It's a pleasure to be back in the studio with you. Your skin is full of color. Your eyes are as bright as the morning. And uh, you smell nice today. So I'm, I always I'm smell ready. nice. You don't always smell nice. I use Chanel Blue. That's, I don't even know what that is. It's cologne. Okay. Do you, you wear cologne? You wear cologne? All, every day. That's so weird. You would wear, you're like an Uber driver. All right. Anyways, <laughs> let's move it along. Jesus. Christ. <laughs> Shazam! I don't like that. Pew pew! Pew pew! <laughs> Let's let's dance. Okay. All right, Max. Hit me. What do you got? What is your first guiltier pleasure? This came to mind first. So this is my favorite <laughs> you're one. You're so excited. I'm excited because you're excited. 1983's Staying Alive. Oh my God. It's Travolta. So this was, I told you there are two movies. One I had to rewatch yeah. and one I had to watch for the first time ever. This was my rewatch. All the other ones you've listed, I'm very familiar with. Yeah. I had not watched this movie in a long time. This movie is fantastic. Isn't it really good? <laughs> it really is. It fires you up. It just makes you feel good. It's quick, but... All right, why it's a guilty pleasure, we're going to argue that first. 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb, not good. It has a 0% critic uh, rating on Tomato Meter. And there's not a lot of those. Although on our list, I think you and I have like five collectively that are 0% on the Tomato Meter. Number one in Entertainment Weekly's top 25 worst sequels ever made. Oh my God. Uh, audience score of 39%. One star from Roger Ebert. Sure. And he says, I quote, staying alive is a big disappointment. That's the first line. <laughs> and he goes, there's little attempt to approximate human speech. And it's on his most hated list. So, so it's interesting. You, you went a lot 
into Rotten Tomato, Ebert. I don't think I did that as much, but I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Yeah. We're going to keep moving forward. But well, uh, Last time we argued why it was a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Remember because I said Young Guns and you're like, really, why? And well, Young Guns is not guilty pleasure. I'm not going to fight with you about that again. <laughs> I will tell you, though, <laughs> go, go ahead. I, I have a couple things I want to talk about staying alive. Okay. Cost $22 million, made 65. That's not bad. No, it's really Good money. Good. Yeah. So Sly didn't direct a non-Rocky movie after this till Rambo. Dude, so you left this part out of it. You got to, you can't just it say it casually. There you go. You got to, you got to let the, let the people know. Sylvester freaking Stallone directed this. And by the way, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when Travolta is walking down the street in the beginning of the movie and he bumps into Stallone. Yeah. yeah. And Stallone's wearing like a fur coat yeah. and gives him like a dirty look. And that's his cameo. Yeah. I'm like, what an egomaniac. He's like, huh, I got to be in it. No, no, that's actually more Travolta. I'm sorry. <laughs> huh, geez, Stallone, be in the movie. I love a good cameo. I you mean, do love a good cameo. And Stallone usually doesn't direct any movie where he's not the lead or at least a supporting actor. Yeah. So he got in it at least. He believed that he was a golden god and could do whatever he wants. He is. And he that's was. and then and, and thus why he slid his brother into the movie with yeah. music and he was the lead guitarist, the right? The he wrote the song Far From Over. But he also wasn't he the guitarist in the band with Jackie? Carl, the the rhythm guitar player who's like hitting on Jackie <laughs> yeah. the whole time. That is him. In fact, my one of my favorite quotes in the entire movie is is when uh Tony a.k.a. Uh, Travolta. Travolta. Sorry, I stroked for a minute. It says, everybody knows you can't trust a guy who plays rhythm guitar. <laughs> you have him walking in your Travolta. I, there's a little bit of everybody and I everything. Can't, I can't believe you didn't mention Kurtwood Smith is in this movie. Well, the, he's, a a small, he's a small part. Boddicker. Boddicker, <laughs> let me dance. <laughs> he's, he's the worst cast choreographer in human this history. This movie is so outrageous. It is. It's outrageous. But it's fun. It's like he's just trying to dance and he's just an overconfident guy trying to date every woman imaginable. There's two things. I'll give you my two things because yeah. there are two things that just strike me as incredible about this. Number one, you know how you know that this is a Stallone movie? Because in Saturday Night Fever, right, versus Staying Alive, yep. Saturday Night Fever, Tony has a full, thick chest of hair. Yeah. <laughs> and then staying alive, <laughs> smooth as a baby's butt. Like, you know, like Stallone was like, wax him. Yeah. We're in the eighties. Wax him. So Stallone got him in the best shape of his life. Travolta oh yeah. For this. yeah. Yeah. Travolta enjoyed working with Sly as a director more than any other director he's worked with. And he's worked with Brian De Palma, Quentin John, Tarantino, John Woo, Tony Scott, Terrence Malick. Yeah. It's cause he got him in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's an I. egomaniac. <laughs> no, but like he looks great. He does. Yeah. And I won't get into the weird part. No, of you're getting already there. You no. can see it in your eyes. You already are. There. I mean, I'm the one who talked about his chest being shaped, but the other part about this movie that I, I genuinely like Jackie. Like I love Jackie. Yeah. I love his relationship with Jackie and he treats her terrible. And you see this like legitimate, I, I almost feel like it was autobiographical. Like he was realizing like what a jerk he was. And I love his relationship with his mom. I love that. Like he, he makes it on Broadway. He's the first person he calls. Yeah. He calls his yeah. mom. He's lost. First night. Yeah, he's yeah. lost. And he goes home and talks to his mom and, yeah. and he's like, she kind of beat some sense. I don't know. Cause yeah. he's like, I'm sorry. Mom always been a jerk. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but being a jerk is what got you out of Brooklyn. <laughs> like it's, it's this great communication between each other. I loved it. I love this movie. Yeah. Isn't it fun? I'm not going to apologize. Yeah. Screw you, Boddicker. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. And the end dance scene is like half Mad Max, half Flash it's, Dance. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And it's so funny because that is what like making it on Wall Street was. You know, it harkens back to Wall the Street? Muppet. The, it harkens back to the <laughs> Muppet. I was going to talk about the Muppets take Manhattan and you ruined it for me. Go ahead. Fine. Money doesn't sleep. <laughs> This was this is just a fun movie. Also, one of the best freeze frame endings ever. When he just struts on in Times Square and he just oh, freezes. I love it. The end when he's like, "What do you feel like?" Was, I feel like strutting. <laughs> you know right. what I want to do? Strut. That's there a good one. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for fixing my butchered quote. Hey, people fix us all the time. We do get a lot of fixings. It's uh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> Extra fixings. Extra fixings all the time. Um, I'm so glad you like this movie. I do. And Swayze's uh, in the beginning. Are you ready for my first? Yes. <laughs> Which one of these dumpster fires? <laughs> Max, I'm so happy about my first one. It's probably, it's one of my favorites, but uh, <laughs> my first one is Teen Wolf 2. And I have to clarify, not T-W-O, T-O-O. Yeah, it's they, an important big, point. Di big difference. Uh, Todd Howard, Jason Bateman, the cousin of Scott Howard, has recently been accepted into Hamilton University on a full athletic scholarship on the recommendation of coach Bobby Finstock, played by Paul Sand, not played no. by the original. Yeah, not played by not the original. That's important to know. Um, who is Scott's basketball coach at Beacontown High. Flintstock's hope is that Todd has the family gene to become a werewolf and turn Flintstock. <laughs> 
Orthodox new struggling boxing team into a championship contender. This movie, here's the thing about Teen Wolf 2. You need to go no further than listening to, go go Google, go, go Google Jason Bateman on Howard Stern talking about Teen Wolf 2 when basically Jason Bateman was like, this movie almost ruined my career. Arrested Development, he accredits with saving his career. Arrested Development was essentially the Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. like saved yeah. him, right? But he was talking about his dad, I guess, was like an executive producer or co-producer of Teen Wolf 2. That's a bad call. Yeah, a, a really bad call. And this movie... It's so lazy. This movie is a carbon copy of the first Teen Wolf. Yeah. If you like Teen Wolf 1, then this is why it's a guilty pleasure for me is like, I like Teen Wolf 1 so much that I'm like, okay, watching Teen Wolf 2. This is the new Coke. It's of Teen so, Wolf. okay. So there's a couple things. They redo everyone. Styles and style. How could they not get styles? I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. Any eighties movie that highlights or shows a personalized license plate already wins with me. The bad guy, right? In yeah. the first movie, it was the basketball player. Now it's the boxer. So James Hampton. So let's talk about this right now. Uncle Howard. Harold Howard. He's Uncle Howard now. In the first one, he was just so Father Howard. Are Jason Bateman's parents dead in this? I No, because he keeps on saying, I promised your parents. I talked to your parents. I think he just kind of moved from out of town and was going locally to... Max, I can't even <laughs> answer that question. It's too deep for me. The only people from the original that are in this are Chubb, who's, you know, the yeah. Francis from Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure, and James Hampton, who plays Uncle Howard. But they kept two other characters in it, the coach, yeah. and then Styles, who's played by Boners to Bone from Growing Pains. Yeah. <laughs> they just slid him. R.I.P., by the way. Do you know he passed away in no. like 2010? Yeah. So this whole movie, like scene for scene, is the first movie. He yep. shows up. He's on a scholarship. Like, who gets like, they're reading his bio, and it's like, he only played the clarinet in the band. <laughs> yeah, and a- yeah, he shows up. He goes through the same, like, and here's the thing that's crazy to me. Chubb and Styles. They're for it. They know what's going to happen. Yeah. They act so shocked when he becomes the wolf and like becomes popular and blows them off just like Michael J. Fox <laughs> did like a few years you earlier. A blueprint by now. It's unreal. And and going back to my comment that I made about personalized license plate, the bad guy who's a, an amazing boxer, which this is also funny to me. What college has a, a boxing crazy lineage? Boxing. I know they're yeah. just, they love it. They're nuts for boxing. <laughs> He cuts them off when they're parking to like go in the dorms. Yeah. And his license plate says, and okay, knock out, yeah, knock out. It's a good one. It's amazing. Like anxious uh, for Ferris Bueller. Addition to that, the Dean gives him a red Corvette when he becomes the wolf. And that license plate says wolf two T O O. The Dean's awesome in this movie. He's actually. incredible. Yeah. Everything about this movie is incredible. They replaced boof with Nikki. Now we have some other like, you know, wallflower unassuming. Cute. Yeah. But that, that's boof. It's they, the same thing. They have a love scene in this movie. They do. They have, and so can we talk about that? Yeah. The love scene is a hybrid top gun. No, it's a hybrid study montage and love scene. Yeah, true. It, it yeah. goes, it goes back to school really quickly. It's yeah. like, I, I've made a mistake. I want to really take the, <laughs> test and pass and she's like i'll give you 24 hours and he has to study and you know what song they're playing send me an angel that song gets you so right much. No, from rad from and the, the wi- bike dance and the wizard and the, yes you're right yeah. but more from rad and the bike dance <laughs> okay yeah. just so we're clear yeah. yeah i'm all fired up that's all i got oh i do have and some the numbers biology teacher's a werewolf too everyone's just a werewolf it is very cool i do want to talk that's about cool it's just I, it's lazy no it's cool <laughs> and her tail wagging at yeah. the end i do want to talk about that for teen wolf one the first one it had a 1.2 million dollar budget it and, and it made 80 million dollars yeah. Uh, credit to Back to the Future. Yep. And this one had a $3 million budget and it made $7.9 million. And Bateman said it killed his career. Like he literally couldn't get work after this because of how bad this movie was. Well, there's a movie coming out just now too that's going to kill his career. Oh, Thunder no. Force. Oh, don't say that. I he, like him a lot. He, he's a villain with crab hands. Well, that's not, you know, <laughs> you know, okay. And that is the first on my list of guiltier pleasures. I truly hated watching that movie. <laughs> Oh, the song during the boxing montage is really goofy and yeah. fun. What's yeah. the song called? I don't know, but yeah. it's not. It's not win in the end. They used all the great songs on the first one. Yeah, Max, I'm kicking it over to you. What, do you, one, what do you got? This one I know you like. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Well, Which I, one are you gonna talk about? I think you like all mine. I do like all yours. Yeah, <laughs> Earth Girls are easy. I love this movie. It's so great. I love this movie. I, how did this movie bomb? Like, I, what happened? I think I honestly, there. I know. I you and I would have been supporting it. I, yeah, it had that kind of uh, little shop of horrorsness to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like fifty. Yeah, it had a little bit of like grease and there were like, there's dancing scenes. It was weird. It was weird, yeah. but sci-fi, I, but you love Goldblum yeah. and, and like I do too. And well, Damon ca- Wayans, well, Damon Wayans, I screw that. Yeah. Damon yeah. Wayans and Jim Carrey. Yeah. Go. I'm sorry. First of all, talk about the movie. If you haven't what seen the year? movie. What year? When did this happen? 1988. Wait, I didn't even mention that. Teen Wolf 2, 1987. So I'm sorry. Now we're back up to you. Go ahead. Yeah. So 1988, California girl befriends three furry aliens after the spaceship crash lands in her pool. Simple premise. <laughs> it's great. Love it. 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, cost $10 million, made 3.9. 
stinky. Drop the hero and get with the zero. Forty-two <laughs> percent audience score on Rotten Tomato. Roger gave it three stars, though. Yeah. Roger Ebert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I assumed. I don't know any Raj. other Rogers. We'll call him Raj. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, this is a murderer's row of comedy cast. Goldblum is really freaking funny. And in the 80s, I love him and Gina Davis were married at the time. Yeah. And they were making out constantly <laughs> on stage. And people were like, God, get a room. You know, right, that kind of right, stuff. Right. I love when that chemistry comes through. Yeah. It's like the opposite of Daredevil. Daredevil, they have no chemistry. Ben Affleck yeah, and Jennifer Garner. I never saw Daredevil. Uh, it's fun. Colin Farrell's hilarious. Right. But, I like Colin Farrell, so yeah. I watch it for that. But <laughs> back to an alien movie that makes no sense. So the crash land. And I love when aliens have to learn human behavior. Yeah. B- because because you because this is like your life. <laughs> this is literally amazing. This touches you emotionally. You're like, I understand what it's like to not know what to do with yourself they watch tv you know i mean she gets him a haircut right there's music montages there's and then the, the lady at the shop is who does all music right it yeah, was yeah, yeah that's julie brown that's right Down, also, downtown julie brown just kidding. no that's not that's her. not her I know. she also directed this movie really yeah i you know what i gave you a really on this another episode i was shocked by this i what happened to her i don't know uh, yeah, yeah. So we probably all it takes is one movie apparently <laughs> and you're done so so there's multiple makeover montages it's just fun yeah you know i mean it's just a goofy movie it's a good movie Great. the dance the dance off in the club oh is, my god is, Damon Wayne. Straight fire. Yeah. And also the the evil doctor that Gina Davis is married to, yep. Dr. Ted. Yeah. He's such a good, like, you want to just like string his like ring his throat. No, you know string I mean? his throat with a string quartet. <laughs> Also, Michael McKean is just a surfer dude in this yeah, movie, yeah. and he's just fun. Yeah, he's all. I mean, if you've seen him before, he's Mister Green and Clue. Yep, he's Chuck McGill, Saul's brother, in Better mm-hmm. Call Saul, and he has a great quote. This should have been my yearbook. Year By book. the way, he's incredible in Better Call Saul. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. But my yearbook quote should have been: "Waste your brain, wax your board, pray for waves." <laughs> That's great. Isn't that cool? It's a, I, I, When you put this on your list, it definitely qualifies as a guilty pleasure because it's not panned as a great movie, but yeah. I love this. This feels to me like girls just want to have fun. Did yeah. we put that on our guilty, our original guilty pleasure list? It shouldn't be. That's just a great movie. Well, yeah, uh, movie. Maybe we didn't put it. I love that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, solid pick. And last, Small Flourish, uh, The Alien Language. It's just the dialogue backwards. Oh, I didn't know Isn't that. Isn't that cool? Nice little fact. Yeah. Uh, Max, that slides me over to the movie that you insulted me on when we were starting Caddyshack 2. What is there to say about Caddyshack 2? Dan Aykroyd. What are we doing? Caddyshack 2 is a hot mess. It looks like it cost $100 million, though. Yeah, so 1988. That's when this flick came out, which is important. We'll talk about why in a second. So Kate Hartunian, played by Jessica Lundy, is the daughter of Jack, played by Jackie Mason. Did you know who Jackie Mason was at all? I know the name. He's like... Famous comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's a wealthy and widowed real estate developer of Armenian and Jewish descent. That's important because that doesn't fly at the fancy clubs. No, it doesn't. You should know that. Eager to improve her status, she befriends Miffy Young... (laughs) played by China Phillips, a snooty waspy girl who encourages her and her father to join their country club. This movie is, again, I shouldn't like this movie. It's hot, heaping garbage. It's a terrible movie. I love it already. I love everything about this movie. Everything? Everything. Now that I understand how this movie came to be, it's even more ridiculous to me. So in addition to the cast that I mentioned. Walk me through it. Right. You've got Randy Quaid, who I actually think Randy Quaid's role in this is the best of everyone. It might be his best role besides Independence Day. He plays. Oh, no, no, no. no, Cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie. I'll slap you if you do that again. (laughs) The Um, the hockey mini golf. He's just tackling him. So he's playing Peter Blunt, uh, Jackie Mason's. Peter Blunt. (laughs) Yeah. Hartoonian's attorney. Uh, Dan Aykroyd is Captain Tom Everett. That's uh, the worst character. Right. Wait, he's basically supposed to be Spackler. Carl Spackler. Yeah. Carl yeah. Spackler. Yeah. You've got Chevy Chase as Ty Webb for the whole five minutes he was in the movie. He's he got so like $2 billion dollars for yeah. it. Right. And then an interesting career in my mind, Jonathan Silverman. Weekend who, at Bernie's. Right. And like, I, and he was also in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Are you a little surprised that his career wasn't bigger than it was? Adam Goldberg, Mark corrected him. That's really? I mean. Yeah. He's the guy who played the Hebrew hammer. He was the guy in Saving Prior Ryan who the knife was going to go into his yeah, stomach. Yeah, He's like, no, yeah. no, no, no. He's like that neurotic Jewish guy who like is kind of charming, but also overly nervous. And you think he just took his space? I think so. I, same time though? Was that 80s or... No, maybe. I don't know. I actually think your theory is totally debunked. You're talking about a 20 year gap. I think they're probably 20 years different. They just age. remind me of each other. <laughs> Deep thoughts by Max Sanders. And the funny thing is I was agreeing with you and I'm like, wait a second. Like Saving Private Ryan was like 20 years after this. Movie. All right. Anyways, that aside, let's let's talk Shut about that's all right. No, it's good. It's good stuff. Can we talk about the oh, no, no, you, no, no, no. Let, let's talk about something. Let's talk about a couple things. Ty Webb's house. I want that. The house. original Caddyshack. Six million dollars to make made sixty million dollars. Huge hit. 
This Caddyshack, $25 million to make, made $11 million. They took a bath. Did it, Was anyone on it who was in the original? Like well, no, so this is, this is what happened. Originally, they had Rodney Dangerfield, and this was going to be a Rodney Dangerfield movie. Now, keep in mind, after this point, he's done back to school. Yep. He's become much more popular. When he did the original Caddyshack, he was paid $35,000. Yeah, it was his first role. He requested for this movie $7 million with $5 million up front. Nice. They said, we'll do it. Yeah. So he went to Harold Ramis and was like, listen, like, please write this. Like, I need you to be a part of this. And Ramis like, I, I don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> he's like, come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in it. I get no respect. Does, Help me out. He does Ghostbusters 2 like a year or two later. I, Ghostbusters 2 is way better. I, I love I know, Caddyshack 2. I'm with you. I'm with you. He's but, not against sequels. Okay. Then. But in, in Ghostbusters 2, he got all the original staff. So stay on that thought for yeah. a second. So as this movie got closer and closer to being made, right? It's October of 87, a month before shooting. And Dangerfield's like, I'm out of here. I can't do this movie. It's terrible. <laughs> the studio sues Dangerfield for damages and goes to Ramis and begs Ramis, please keep your name on this script. Like if you want to bail and you don't want to touch it anymore, that's fine. But can we at least keep your name on the script because we're going to be killed here. The lawsuit continues throughout the whole filming of this between Dangerfield for damages not being in the movie. Randy Quaid, the lawyer they hired yeah. uh, to, to <laughs> the lawyer they hired originally in this script, that role was supposed to be for Sam Kinison. Really? Yeah. So Dangerfield wrote this for his friends, for his people. And when they couldn't get him, that the I think Ramis and some of the producers went to go watch Jackie Mason perform, and they they swapped what would have been a vehicle for Rodney Dangerfield for Jackie Mason, who are two significantly different characters. Yeah, his vibe is not right in this movie. It was bad. Yeah. It was bad. In addition to that. Jackie Mason's golf swing was so bad. They like had to work on it all the time. They brought in like pros to try to help him hit the ball. This really, is, they turn him like 45 degrees. Uh, dude, it was a hot mess everywhere, like across the board. Do you want to hit some of his technological clubs? I know, right? <laughs> the, and, and then the whole Chevy Chase piece of it too. Like Chevy Chase was awful during this movie. Horrible to work with. Wasn't helpful at all. That's kind of his MO. I know, but he was really, really bad on this one. Like he's it was bad. In it. And then Ackroyd comes in and he's like, I want to add something. I want to do the voice like the whole Mrs. Astor house you're naughty so he comes up with this insane idea the whole thing is like a hot steaming pile so of garbage because like I, I gotta tell you i just there's something about it? this what I, scene i just i love the i love the mini golf I, I love all of it i love when he i love when randy quaid tackles him playing <laughs> hockey golf i love that he buys the entire uh bushwood and turns it into like a muse like a museum turns it into a carnival i love all this i love if i pull out the dart will you suck <laughs> out the poison like all these stupid campy jokes i, I love them I'm pathetic. I'm a trash pan and I just like this movie. I'm usually more campy than you are. No, this, this does it for me yeah. in some weird way. This is my, this is my Wendy's uh, Baconator. I, I can't <laughs> help myself. I just love it. Um, but yeah, so this is hot garbage. <laughs> so anyways, going on to you, my friend, what's your next one? Speaking of hot garbage, I got no holds barred. Oh my God. <laughs> 1989. Max, I love this movie. It's really fun. <laughs> Zeus. Sometimes, like you said, you just want a Big Mac. You know what I mean? I don't need a filet every time. Tell tell the good people about this, this masterpiece. <laughs> a TV network boss wants to destroy a legendary wrestler's career by having battle evil Zeus. Sure. So I guess Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon saw the script for this and they're like, no, 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 this doesn't work. <laughs> they shut themselves into a hotel room for 72 hours straight. God knows what they were doing right. and rewrote the entire script. Sure. I mean, sure. <laughs> it feels like fly in it, that room. it feels like it was written by someone who was in charge of the WWF. <laughs> like it feels like that yeah it's a 4.4 4 out of 10 on imdb cost 8 million made 16 million it's a tight hour 33 which i like by the way this is funny you always say that the majority of the movies that are on my list and your list hour 30. are a tight hour 33 yeah, yeah they run out of stuff to say yeah <laughs> i watched dirty work the other day 78 minutes oh yeah that's a great movie that's though. a great movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Max. What? Go, just go. Okay. 10% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 34% audience score. Just stinks. Yeah. So it's funny because this to me is one of those movies where I like it. I have a very specific reason I like this movie. The Dookie scene? No, the Dookie scene is Dookie. good. Dookie! This movie came out at a time when Hulk Hogan was a god. To yeah. Me. Like a god. 85 to, when did it stop, you think? Oh, God. Uh, I mean, because he had a renaissance, but when he hit his renaissance with Hollywood Hulk, yeah, yeah, I, I was I was disenfranchised. That's mid to late 90s, though. That's later. Yeah, I think, so for me, probably mid 80s to early 90s yeah. was when I was really into the WWF. But I mean, I remember, you know, my buddy, Brian. Yep. So Brian had a broken arm or a broken wrist. One of the two. I called a radio station to win tickets to the premiere of this movie where I was told where I was told Hulk Hogan would be there. And we went to the premiere and it was like some guy pretending to be Hulk Hogan. No. So if you could imitate Hulk Hogan, 
you would get a free t-shirt. So like all these kids were in line in the, in the theater. Shirt, like, and oh they, yeah. No, that's the funny thing is like I did, you know me, I think everything I do is like golden. And I ended up doing like Macho Man. I go, oh yeah. And then Brian had a cast on. So they like felt bad for him because imita- his imitation was garbage, but they gave him the t-shirt and I'm still pissed about it. Did 30, have it 30 years. I doubt that. He, I, he'll probably listen to this and be like, I have no idea what Mo's talking about, but this happened. I remember yeah. it. But that's my point is like going to the premiere of this movie. There's only like a handful of movies in my life. I remember like caring about going to the premiere. Yeah. The Hulk Hogan movie was a huge deal. This movie's fun. So and like, then Zeus became a staple after that. Yeah. Tommy Lister Jr. You know, he's the uh, Friday. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's terrifying. In oh, yeah. Movie. Terrifying. Absolutely. And also great villain in Kurt Fuller, mm-hmm. who's also Hardenmeyer in Ghostbusters 2. Yep. And he's Tony in The Running Man. Yep. He's absolutely. He's just that guy. He, he Isn't he the cameraman in Wayne's World too? He is. Yeah. And but he turns good at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> great call. It's such a good call. <laughs> but super evil, really fun. Yeah. And also Hulk with any kind of romantic stuff is really kind that of That girl is beautiful. I can't think that, of her name. the girl from See No Evil, Hear No Evil. You're right. Yeah, Samantha. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah Joan Severance. Okay. Yeah. Now that I know that. She's an 80s good. girl. Oh yeah? Yeah. Uh, God, Nolds Bar. That's a good pick. And also, there's a, a tough man competition in this seedy bar. Yeah. And there's a little person in a cage, and it looks like Peter Dinklage, like young Peter Dinklage, and everyone thinks it's Peter Dinklage. It's Is funny. it him? It, no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Also, Jesse the Body's in this movie, too. Max, the next movie that I have, you you know me. I, I'm, a, I'm a political guy. Are you? I have, I have a passion. I have a passion for making sure that as a citizen of the United States of America, that my voice is heard, and this what? and this stems and is motivated from uh, this movie? from this movie from this upcoming movie. There, this is this movie is a story of people whose voices were they attempted to silence their voice. We're talking we're, about Prop fifteen. We're talking about Prop fifteen, <laughs> and uh, and to me, if you ever want to change the will of the people, yep, you go straight to the Hotel Coral Essex. And you throw a party, and you throw a party, not just a party. <laughs> But you throw a vote no on 15 (laughs) rap music party. And that takes us to my movie, Max. A little trip down uh, Justice Lane called Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. Nerds! This 1987 sequel to Revenge of the Nerds. Why stop at one when you can have two? (laughs) The Trilams from Adams College head to the National Fraternity Convention in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I love the sleaziest place on earth. In in, in the world. (laughs) Uh, Lewis's best friend Gilbert can't come, which I'll explain why has to do with the fact he he wanted nothing to do with this movie. It's not because he broke his leg. The only reason they even showed him with a broken leg is he was contractually obligated to be in a couple scenes, but we'll get to that in a minute. So uh, the story in the movie is he broke his leg during a chess game. At the Royal Flamingo Hotel, a trainee named Sonny informs Lewis that their reservation is canceled and has been given to none other than the Alpha Betas. Got to give those Alpha Betas what they need. The acting manager, Buzz, explains to Sonny that they don't want any nerds staying at the hotel. That's the coach from Youngblood. It is. Excellent work. The Trilams also meet Sonny's friend, Stuart, a geeky bellboy who joins their club eventually. Uh, so anyways, long story short, they're at the National Fraternal Convention. Proposition 15 would make it so that you have to have physical attributes in order to qualify to be a chapter. Not fair. Not fair for the nerds. Yeah. That's not their strong suit. So you got to vote no on 15. Obviously. Obviously. Max, I love this movie. I love this movie because it does a couple things. Number one, and we'll talk about this, another movie I have later. I'm a huge fan of name of movie, colon, <laughs> other name of movie, right? Yeah, that's Revenge funny. of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. <laughs> it is fun to say. I also particularly love that all of the tropes that they use in the first movie, they just effortlessly roll, roll them out and jack them up 100%. Booger is on steroids. In he movie. is out of control. <laughs> Booger is fantastic. When he packs his bag. I, I also like that they interchange and have no issue with like bad guys and all the bad guys are like the same dudes. It's Bradley Whitford. Right, from uh, West, Wing. West Wing. And it's funny because he was also Adventures in Babysitting. Well, he was hardcore typecast yeah. as, as like a jerk until West Wing. Yeah. And, 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 and Point, Poindexter is in West, West Wing too. Yeah, he's, the, he's Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Danny boy. The first Revenge of the Nerds film. By the way, if you're not catching a theme on my selections, they're almost all sequels or in, in trilogies or so on and so AKA forth. AKA lazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not lazy. <laughs> it's just that's I love these movies. Revenge of the Nerds, the first one, okay? Eight million to make, brought in sixty million. The second one, ten million to make, brought in thirty million. Uh, that's not bad actually. The Hotel Coral Essex. I can't tell you what they did to the sign because this you don't is want a, the Ricky Ricardo show for room? children. No, no, no. It's that that's fantastic. Nice. So Julia, Ma- Julia, Julia Montgomery, who played Betty in the first Revenge of the Nerds, turned down the second Revenge of the Nerds because it had her cheating on Lewis. Oh, and she was like, I don't, I don't like that. I'm, a, I'm an artist. I have artistic uh, differences here. I'm confused. Lewis had a picture of Betty in the beginning. Correct. 
So were they still dating? Or was I, he was just doing his own thing with what's-her-face from Melrose Place. I know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, Lewis was cheating. Anthony Edwards was contractually, as I mentioned, obligated to be in one scene. wanted nothing to do with this movie. Is this after Top Gun? Yeah, he was, he was done. <laughs> he was Goose. He you was done. You can't, you can't go from Goose to being this. Although, what's his name? Uh, Lewis's dad came back. Yeah, that's true. MTV had a contest to be an extra in this movie. <laughs> Did you write in? I was too young. I would have, though. I remember seeing this movie with... Ian, you know, my buddy Ian. Yeah. And him and I, when it was on VHS, took a stopwatch out to time how long Ogre's Piss was because we thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. <laughs> and this is before the internet. So there's yeah. the only way you could find these things out. And then I, I noticed it was one minute and 46 seconds was it really? of him peeing, wow. yeah, which is amazing. We talked about Bradley Whitford. So Bradley Whitford comes in as the new bad guy replacing what's his face for Married with Children. Stan, yeah. Thanks, Stan Gable. There you go. The, here's a great fact. The island that the nerds were cast away on is the actually the same island used in the second and third seasons of Gilligan's Island. Really? How do you like that? How do you, yeah, like, how you like them apples, cool. huh? Yeah. Origi the military stuff was a little much. No, it was great. Made it perfect. <laughs> they came in a tank. You're nuts, dude. You're absolutely nuts. It was perfect. Everything about this movie is perfect, including... I like mid-80s Miami. Yeah. That's everything fun. to do. Yeah. Come on. They're on the beach. Yeah. They're just hanging out. Yeah. You got Booger. <laughs> so that's my movie. And uh, I'm sticking to it. Okay. So there you go. Before we go to your movie, this is a perfect opportunity to break and have some quick ads from our sponsors. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. <laughs> Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Capsiva Pain Relieving Gel. And I can tell you that if you're sitting at a table across from a guy who has to go to the bathroom every 25 minutes, sure. you're going to get arthritis. You're going to get muscle soreness, psoriasis. Um, Capsiva is all Sorry. natural. It's okay. <laughs> Capsiva is all natural and designed to increase blood flow for the healing and pain relief process. Uh, try it for free at capsiva.com. That's C-A-P-S-I-V-A.com. And uh, you know, Max, I'm an old man and I need this kind of stuff. It works. It's, it's, it's great stuff. Yeah, it's like Wolford Brimley and Cocoon. You know what I mean? It's, you feel revitalized. It, that's exactly what it's like. Buzz in the Tower is also brought to you by Lindsay Larravee Photography. Uh, if you have checked out our website, hopefully you have. You've seen the amazing photos that were put up there. Lindsay, so good. Yeah, Lindsay and her team did all of those. She teased my hair. She was, she was fun to work with. Uh, just made the whole experience really exciting for us. She has been taking photos of families, children, and smiles in Metro Detroit since 2017. Um, she loves what she does, and it shows. She works with her clients, catches everything in the moment, and adores watching the connections and relationships unfold in front of her lens. If you mention Buzz in the Tower, you get $25 off any family session in 2021. You can find Lindsay on our website under our sponsors page. Uh, check her up and get some work done. She is fantastic. Yeah, she made us look good. She can make anyone look good. Boy, man, it's been... Feels like it's been a long time since we broke for ads. I like the Wilford Brimley part every yeah. time. It makes yeah, me laugh. you do. There you go. <laughs> like cocoon. You're like what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max. We're down to our last two each. So I picked a movie so bad it made one of the greatest writers of our time stop directing movies Ooh, for all time. Oh, I know what movie you're talking. <laughs> I, can I tell you before you say another word? You've never seen this, right? I, I'd never seen this movie I can't until it came that. across your list. And I'm I'm telling to our audience right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. I owe everyone an apology for coming on an 80s podcast, <laughs> 80s movies podcast, and talking about movies without having seen this movie. And not only have I never seen it, you, I'm going to get to it in a minute. It's I lost in the annals of time. No, like, no, People go. don't bring it up. No, you go. You go. I, got, I, have, I have emotional reasons why I should know about this movie. Should I do the Stephen King part first or the setting of Why don't you tell first? everybody what we're talking about okay. and what year it came out and, and what, what's going on here? Maximum Overdrive. Maxim, M-O. <laughs> Mo. It's got Mo and, and Max in it. it. How oh do we not talk about this movie before. Come on. 1986, which, yes, Samantha it probably is the best movie year ever. Well, you, this, this movie cinches it for me. <laughs> a group of people try to survive when a passing Ray M. Rogue Comet shoots out funky space waves that makes machines alive and they become killers. It looked like, what's the name of the ecto cooler? It looks that green <laughs> yeah. ecto cooler look it, to it. It had that green kind of fluorescent kind of vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can talk. All right. No, you, you speak English really well. <laughs> and it's written and directed by, wait for it, Stephen freaking King. Stephen King. And as you know on the show, Stephen King rules. Yeah. Not not so much. No, not so much on this one to most people. <laughs> when asked why he hasn't directed a movie since this one, he responded, just watch Maximum Overdrive. 
<laughs> I mean, come on. The the opening scene of the movie is him yep. at an ATM, yep. and the ATM calls him an a hole, and he goes, "Hey, this ATM called me an a hole," and that's when I was like, "Oh, I'm in for a ride." Yeah, I am in for a ride. <laughs> Roger didn't even review it. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, fifteen percent critic score, fifty percent audience. A uh, 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb cost 10 million and made 7.4 million. Nothing. Here's why I'm ashamed that I don't know this movie. Okay. Or that I didn't, I should say. Who is my favorite band in the world that you've been to a concert with me? ACDC. ACDC. So in the same sense, if you haven't seen this movie, but you've seen Flash Gordon. Yep. In Flash Gordon, what Queen did for Flash Gordon is what ACDC did for Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. This entire movie is all ACDC. In the opening scene of the movie, did you notice when the when the bridge is opening up, there's a black truck? And you know what it says in large print on the side of the black truck? No, it's the same. ACDC, it's a freaking logo. Oh, no way. And, and by the way, because you know I'm like crazy about ACDC. Yeah. So the whole movie starts. The opening music is who made who? Who made who? Then when they're in the diner, and they're talking about all the hell that's breaking loose around them and all the things are going crazy. The one person goes, oh man, hell's bells. Okay, they're yeah. freaking <laughs> dropping titles of ACDC songs throughout the whole damn movie. It's yeah. like, how could I not know that this existed? You know, Stephen King had to go to them and beg. and Because they don't, they typically don't license their stuff. They're very snooty about it. So he's saying word for word, ain't no fun. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll be a part of it. I can't believe <laughs> that they were a part of this. Yeah. Emilio Estevez too. He, he was great. Like this movie is so nuts, and it has. Here's the thing that I don't understand: the kid that's chased through By the, the neighborhood. Yeah, in the lawnmower. Didn't that feel like? Where's my two dollars? Do you like this? Felt like it Johnny. was a, this. This felt to me like it was a savage Steve Holland movie. It was set. It was satirical. It yeah, felt like it. Yeah, yeah. It, had it, a, it didn't mean to be. No, it didn't mean to be. It was nuts. The whole yeah. thing's nuts. The Bible the, salesman who's a jerk. The forced romance. Like literally, the yeah. girl meets Emilio Estevez <laughs> for like what five seconds. Yeah, and she tips her hat and is like Emilio. No, I'm just kidding. But she like looks at him and is like, you're cute. And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's garbage, but it's wonderful. And also the truck stop owner has a rocket launcher and like has a survivalist kit underneath. Oh, the uh, what's his face uh, from uh, it's, uh, the commissioner from Commissioner Gordon and Batman? Yes. I'm sorry. Let me yeah. back up. Yes. Yes to that. Also, the guy who goes into the game room and is stuffing cigarettes and coins in his is what's his face it's from uh, Carlo Esposito. Yes. It's Gus. Yes, it's Gus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. From Breaking Bad. And and the guy who gets diesel in his eyes is your favorite cook from Vision Quest. Like, Shut up. Not in a Yeah, that. yeah absolutely. No. Hey, Duncan? Yes. Oh, no way. Yeah. So, I mean, now I'm, the minute I saw him show up, I was like, oh, this is why Max loves this movie. Anything Vision Quest related, you're like, mm. <laughs> It's just so silly and fun. And yeah. like the trucks, they do a good job with the trucks kind of corralling the them. The like Green Goblin animals. truck? <laughs> I looked at it, I was like, that's the freaking Green Goblin. Yeah. That's nuts. And I also, fun random fact, the killer lawnmower actually went out of control on July 31st, 1985 during shooting. And a block of wood hit some splinters and hit director of photography Armando Nanunzi and he lost his right eye and he had to sue Stephen King for $18 million and was settled out of court. Wow. So these things actually were alive. Oh, then they weren't. <laughs> Take just con. That's a little bit of a jump. <laughs> they weren't actually alive. This movie should be remade. I could see it working. It'd be so fun. I, it's nuts. The yeah. whole movie's nuts. Like Guillermo del Toro. Have fun with this. Yeah. <laughs> What? Nothing. Oh, all right. Are you ready? Oh, and also, Stephen oh, no, you're not ready. Stephen King wanted Bruce Springsteen to be the lead, oh which gosh. would have been the greatest movie, movie ever made. Time. I don't know. He's just on his guitar. That's, that's is pretty good. Machines have taken over. <laughs> Factories. Um, all right, Max, are you ready for my second to last one? What do you got? Earlier, I talked to you about politics and, and how politics are important to me, but there's only one thing that's even close to as important to me as that, and that's getting rid of nuclear weapons, Max. <laughs> Superman Got, 4. Gotta get rid of them. <laughs> well, you know that I love movies. I talk about those Revenge of the Nerds that have like two titles, right? Yeah. Like Revenge of the Nerds Quest 2, Nerds. Peace. Superman 4, <laughs> Quest for Peace. Oh, that's why they call it that. 1987, Max. My life was changed forever. This was a big deal to me. This Really? Because I remember being in school yeah. and doing the like nuclear bomb drills where you would go under your desk and put a book a on your head. A lot of good that's Yeah, it's, I know, right? <laughs> And this was the big topic back then. Like yeah. Everybody was talking about like, you know, the Cold War, you know, you got Drago and Rocky. Yeah, you got a lot of stuff going on. So like this was Superman yeah. said, I'm going to fix this. So let's talk about this movie. At a Smallville farm he inherited from his deceased parents, Superman as Clark uncovers the capsule that brought him to Earth and removed a luminescent green cryptopian energy module. A lot of questions here because I already thought that he had that in yeah. the previous movies and that's how he created his Fortress of Solitude. But Multiple I, ones. Yeah. So what? Whatever. There's a little discontinu there's a little disconnect here, but that's fine. We'll move this forward. This is in the Marvel universe. And also the fact that his 
his mom was involved. I mean, I'm assuming that's because they just couldn't get anything else. At that point, did uh, Brando passed away? No, because he did Isle of Dr. Monroe in the Yeah, 90s. so he just yeah. wanted nothing to do yeah. with this. Um, a recording left by his mother, Lara, states that his power can only be used once. So he returns to Metropolis, where he finds the Daily Planet has been taken over by David Warfield, a tabloid tycoon who fires Perry White and hires his own daughter, Lacey, as the new editor. I like Lacey. Yeah, I, I liked the tension. It's interesting. Is she a real character in DC? No, I've, you're, you're asking me that. Like, I have any idea. I have no clue. Anyways, long story short. Nuclear you go, man. You go, to this <laughs> you go to this classroom, and in this classroom, they're having a real frank conversation, a real tough one. Max, I know I've said this a hundred times, but every once in a while... <laughs> I see someone as an actress or an actor and I'm like, I, I know who they are. Yeah. Everyone has that. The woman. So in this classroom, you have a teacher and the teacher is talking with the kids about writing a letter to their senator to try to get them to the talks have fallen apart at the United Nations. Chaos. Nuclear proliferation is about to happen. Big word. Yeah. You like that? Did I use it right? We'll have yeah, to look at that so. later. I think so too. And she, and so she says, you know, we should write a letter and there's this kid off in the corner, distraught, looking out the window. He has sketches of Superman you can see on his notepad. You're really it, into this. I love this. And and the teacher said, you know, what do you think we should do? And the kids make fun of him. He goes, no, I don't think we should write a letter to governors. We should write a letter to the only person who can solve this, Superman. So he writes a letter to Superman. Superman reads the letter, decides he's going to rid every nuclear weapon that's out there. But the teacher in that classroom, she's an actress that looked familiar to me, and I figured out where. Uh, Jane Brooke. And do you remember the movie Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead yeah. with Christina Applegate? Absolutely. She was the woman who was already working as the assistant that played like the nemesis. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And that was her. Is and that she, why you love this movie? A little bit. But I just happened to notice her. So it's a bad movie. You shut your mouth. It's not a bad movie. So nuclear man. So with his name, Lex Luthor. And uh, by the way, how can you say this is a bad movie when we were introduced to Lex Luthor's nephew played another by <laughs> Ducky Ducky? Yeah, it basically is Ducky. <laughs> he is Ducky and he's great in this. So where do you get that car? I don't know. Ducky bails <laughs> Luthor out of prison. And by with, the by, with a magic car, by the way, I want to fast forward for a minute at the end of this movie when Superman wins, the wins obviously, and we'll never catch us. And he returns Luther back to prison yeah. and says, "I'll see you in twenty years." It was twenty years from nineteen eighty-seven to when the next Superman movie came out. No way! Did yeah. they plan that? It was it was a uh, Superman. It was uh, Brian Singer. Is that who did the Superman the Returns one? Yeah, yeah, it was something. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, this movie's great. It's got everything you could ever need. <laughs> this let, let's, let's start with this. So the, the rest of the story is Luther gets a hold of one of Superman's hairs from a museum he that's holding up 10,000 pounds. He gets it, makes this like little DNA cocktail, throws it into a nuclear weapon that flies into the sun because Superman's taking all the nuclear weapons and throwing them into the sun yeah. and you get nuclear man. Before I go behind the scenes and talk about all the insanity, oh before I get into the insanity of this movie, let me talk about my favorite parts in the movie. So he grabs the kid, goes to the United Nations meeting, walks up there and says, Madam Secretary, I don't represent any country, but I'd like to address the delegates. And she looks at him and says, well, in that case, you will need a sponsor. And everyone raises their hand from all the countries because everybody loves Superman. Yeah. It's the best. It's so good feeling. And he gets up there and he says, I'm not a visitor. I'm part of this world. And I'm going to get, don't laugh at me. This is beautiful. So that, you tear up. that I do. I do tear up that part aside. I mean, there's other parts like he's fighting nuclear man on the moon <laughs> and the American flag gets knocked over and he, and he, and he, and he puts it back up because he's an American. I love him. There's. <laughs> So Hackman and Kidder wanted nothing to do about this movie at all. Makes sense. Well, for not even because of, of because of being hot garbage, yeah. because of the way that the studio treated Donner, firing him essentially, even though he did one and two. Yeah, Hackman really didn't want to deal no. with anybody else. Um, three was a mess. He, and that was the Richard Pryor. Yeah, right? that was the Richard Pryor one. A total mess. Originally, they were so convinced that this was going to make money. Like they were just, they were like, this is going to be a success that they already had in the works a Spider-Man movie and they killed the movie, but that Lauren Bacall was going to be Aunt May and Bob Hoskin was going to be Dr. Octopus. Oh my God. How wild is yeah. that? So Warner brothers funded 36 million to make this movie. That's a lot. Canon only used 17 million towards producing the quest for peace because they're, they were in such dire straits financially. They pulled the rest of the money to send other places, which is why all of the effects are hot garbage. Yeah. Like it looks terrible and it's, it's campy and it's not done well. It's really bad. So this whole script and idea flying's awful. was Reeve. Yeah. Christopher Reeve said, let me sit down with you. I've got an idea. And his original idea was not nuclear man. It was to do bizarro. So do you remember? Yeah, no, I love bizarro. Yeah. And that's who I thought was going to be coming out of the sun. They did bizarro in, was it two or three when Superman splits in half? It was three when he splits in half and yeah. you've got bad Superman and good Superman. So they already kind of tested that. So originally 
They were going to go after Clive Mantle, who plays great John Umber on Game of Thrones. I don't know if you remember him or not. He was the original Bizarro Superman, but then they ended up going with Mark Pillow, who played Nuclear Man. His last <laughs> name's Pillow. How funny is that? Um, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Here's the last amazing part. Do you know who almost directed this movie? Steven Spielberg? Wes Craven. Oh, my God. Him and Reeve didn't see eye to eye. Well, so they, yeah. yeah, I know, right? I know. It's, it's so true. Who so true. A Superman horror movie. Well, they made one, Brightburn. Right. Oh, that's a great Was it good? I, I, oh, you need to watch it. It's scary. I'm watching, like watching really Firestarter right now. Yeah, it's really good. So because of this movie, Canon went bankrupt. <laughs> and, and also, the numbers on this are crazy. The original Superman, $55 million to make, $300 million gross. Superman 2, $54 million to make, $190 gross. Superman 3, 39 million to make, 80 gross. Okay. Superman 4, 17 million, 36 gross. And you remember when I say 36 gross, that's also, that's not just domestic, that's yeah, international. Yeah. That doesn't so that's include nothing. marketing. That's nothing. Yeah. yeah. They took a bath and Canon went bye bye. <laughs> they went bankrupt. So this movie essentially killed the entire Superman franchise for 20 years and mm -hmm. bankrupt the studio. That's incredible. That being said, I love it. Really? I do. I love him. You sure, kids? I, I I, have not, I don't know that they've seen any of the Supermans. I got I to gotta fire yeah, those get, up. Get that yeah, on Neil, a little Neil before Zod. They'll yeah. love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love I Superman. Won. Quest for Peace, man. It's a beautiful story. It's, it's about not, saving the world. I really didn't like I was really upset that you and they, and, and how could you not love like the double date scene where he's like, he's Clark and he's Superman and he's back and I've forth. the secret to my success, all right? That's, all right. that's what yeah. I was thinking of. It's exactly the secret <laughs> to my success. <laughs> So what's his name? Brent Brunfield? Rumfield? <laughs> what the hell's his name? Wilford Brimley? No, come on. Yeah. Oh, my God. Bradford Woodfield. Brad, Bradley, Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitfield. Whitfield. Yeah. The third. Yeah. <laughs> Help me. Why can I never remember that? Movie character names are hard. All right, I'm done. I'm done gushing over this movie. Move, move to your second to last. Well, I'm glad we spent the most time out of all these movies. On, on Superman that. 4. Yeah. It's fair. I'm, it's I'm fair. exhausted. <laughs> I feel like this movie is a good example of me and you. <laughs> this is Christ. this is our relationship i went 1987's three o'clock high max i i lied remember i said there was one movie i needed to rewatch to yeah. get, this was the other one that i needed it i'm sorry i have not, i had not seen this in its entirety before so this is like you uh, love this movie and you always talk about it and I, I was wrong i needed to watch this this is great oh you actually didn't watch the whole thing no i watched parts of it okay. i was like familiar with it yeah. i had to rewatch the whole thing and it's just it's golden yeah nerd gets himself into hot water with a new bully and the quiet bad boy challenges him to a fight at 3 p.m. after school. And this movie is every Hollywood high school trope just mash into one. It's basically like if John Hughes had no sensibility to make a real movie. It's like John Hughes and Savage Steve Holland combined and met somewhere in the middle. It's it's so... Right? It, you're 100% you're right. The beginning of this movie is... Back to the future. He's microwaving his clothes. Like, yeah, like he's like the alarm clock. I overslept. He's hyperglycemic. The car's got a flat. We got to take mom's car. It's a station wagon. The girl he likes is like a Winona Ryder clone. Right, right. <laughs> the, gr the, the girl that he really likes like pulls up in a car next to him and he does like a 180 spin out. Yeah. He seduces the teacher in class. That scene caught me off guard. And, <laughs> yeah. and, the, like, fact working. That, and the fact that at the end of the movie that like he has all three of the girls and yeah. it's like he has the, the crush, the Winona Ryder at all of it is insane. Yeah. And Casey and Casey size Mecco is great as the nerd in the movie. Yeah. I mean, he's Billy in Stand By Me. He's in Young Guns and he's 3D in Back to the Future. So do you know the other movie that the bad guy was in that like his most prominent role? Kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 yeah it's Buddy Ravel. Yeah. He's perfect. He's he like, is great. He looks like. Arnold. Why wasn't he in more stuff? He looks like he could have been the next Arnold. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's got he had that jawline and he's tough. And and when he talks like he has a command of a room. Yeah. I'm very surprised. I'm very. This is a movie that easily could get remade. It did. What? Uh, fist fight. With Ice Cube and Charlie Day. It's with teachers, though. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. You're right. Yeah. Like, talk about guilty pleasures. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Shame on you for being so quick to mention that. Yeah. But usually, I mean, like, when they have the jock stand up to the bully, the yeah. jock wins. The bully just crushes him. Yeah. And the fight at the end, of the at the end, usually, you know, oh, it feels normal. There's a couple kids watching. He punches a teacher. He punches a cop. And there's hundreds of kids watching from, like, multiple levels. Yeah. It's like stadium seating it was for great. a fight. It was great. Yeah. Just how everybody, like, loved him. The whole school store, everybody went to buy a piece of paper. Yeah. And it just, it all it was all wrapped in a bow. Very neat and nice. And when he destroys the school store, I mean, 
when he takes the fire extinguisher and it's like he's acting like it's so powerful that it's like throwing him around the room. I'm like, that's that's not how <laughs> fire extinguishers work. They're not giving yeah. that much pressure that it would do that. But that's okay. We'll let it go. And also, it has a little bit of a risky business feel to it because when he hits rock bottom, yeah. like he's getting being suspended from school, he had a knife in his locker. The whole scene when he gives the book report is all risky business to me. Yeah. Yes. Or when he hits the locker, he's like, screw it. You know, yeah. we're going to fight. Like, yeah. My pride. Where's my pride? Because yeah. he, he was going to pay the bully to not Yeah, he fight. paid him. Yeah. He paid him not and to. And he's like, you're pathetic. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to freaking fight you. Yeah. And the brass knuckles. The brass knuckles. Oh. I, I love his friend that like it was all his fault. And then he hops in at the end yeah. to like say, this is a great movie. Yeah. I, I it, it definitely makes the guilty pleasure list. I also feel like a lot of people have no, don't even know about this movie. It's weirdly, it's in like, like the cracks. You need to like search it out. It's in the vortex. Yeah. And do you know who did the soundtrack? No. Freaking Tangerine Dream. Oh. Yeah. Legend, yeah, Risky Business, yeah. Thief, Firestarter, Red Heat, Vision Quest. <laughs> Dude, they rule. I know you love Tangerine Dream. You know, Kirk Cameron was the second choice for Jerry. In his oh, no, he would have been a better buddy. Is that his name Buddy? Yeah, yeah Bud? Buddy Lavelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, uh, Kirk Cameron scares me. <laughs> it makes me super uncomfortable. It's a weird spot for you. I feel like he's always judging me whenever I see him. Like, I feel like there's judgment, and I also feel like he how wants often, to fight me. How often do you look at Kirk Cameron? <laughs> That's a very personal question that I'm not <laughs> comfortable answering. Um, are we to the, was that your last movie? Yep. So we're down to the final movie. I'm actually excited about this last one. This is the worst movie ever made. Donut. In the history of film. <laughs> and I can't help myself. I love this it's movie. Great. It's, Mario Van Peebles it's is not awesome. great. It's not great, Max. Say it's the not, name. I'm not going to say, gonna the say name. Another one that has two titles, although you don't see it pop up that much. Is it a colon? No, I don't think so. So I went with the 1987 American Horror Thriller. <laughs> is that what this is? Yes. And by the way, there is are the Caribbean? There, there is a colon in this name. <laughs> It goes by two names, Jaws colon the revenge or Jaws four colon the revenge or just Jaws four. And there's a tagline. This time it's personal. <laughs> the shark developed personal feelings. This, this movie is just, this movie really ruins the entire, uh, <laughs> I loved it. All right. On Amity Island, Martin Brody famous for his role as the police chief and his heroism has died from a heart attack. So Brody, the senior, the, the man, yeah. the, the patriarch of the family, heart attack. His wife will argue is the stress from the shark. Well, most people would probably agree. Martin's widow, Ellen, still lives in Amity, close to her younger son, Sean, and his fiance, Tiffany. Sean works as a police deputy. I, I just have to say that one of the things I find incredible about this, if you lived through what this family had lived through. You'd move out of town. I would be living in the center point <laughs> of the United States. Like I would be nobody's as far away from nobody's water. I certainly wouldn't be a cop. Yeah. I, it's, whatever. That's neither here nor there. So of course, what happens? It's Christmas and a great white shark appears and rips off his arm. From the, from the, <laughs> the shark was unwrapping his presents I, and was upset. When you go back, when you go back to the original Jaws and the, the painstaking time they took to tease the image and not show, and then you get to Jaws the Revenge, like, where the, the shark literally jumps out of the water, chews on the side of the boat, and rips his arm off. He's like, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> it's incredible what happens in this movie. So kills Brody. Yeah. Right? So like, I, I will say one thing that is incredible that I bet you didn't catch is kills the son and Ellen Brody is mourning and her son shows up. And while she's in the house mourning, do you know who's with her? This is going to blow your mind because I guarantee you missed it. Do you know who's with her in the house? Because remember how they he walks in and he hugs two other women? Richard Dreyfus? No. Oh. That would have been incredible. Yeah. But no, there's two women in the house while she's outside and she's been staring at the water all day. Okay. And the two women are, this is, you ready? This is right. exciting. Yeah. The actresses' names are Lee Fierro and Fritzy Jane Courtney. Okay. That would mean nothing to you. From the original Jaws. They're like the little girls? No, Mrs. Kinter, who is the woman who's complaining about you can't shut down Amityville and she like runs either yeah. a hotel or a business. And Mrs. Taft, the mother of the kid that gets killed and oh, slaps yeah. Brody across the face. Yeah, that seems heartbreaking. But she's there yeah. mourning with Ellen Brody. How wild is that? Yeah. I, I was rewatching it. I'm like, that's her for sure. And yeah. I looked it up. I was like, sure enough, it is. So Ellen's other son shows up, Michael. And his wife, Carla, and they've got a five-year-old daughter. I like their relationship. A very sweet relationship. And they come to Amity to obviously for the funeral and everything else. And they convince Alan Brody to come back with them where they are in the Bahamas, where Michael is a, Studying oh, yeah, he's like an oceanographic, whatever. And, and he's doing shells. Yeah. Uh, snails. Yeah. They, they have to hop. Mario Van Peebles. Yes. Delightful. We'll get to Mario Van Peebles in a minute. First, we have to talk about our guy, Michael Kine. <laughs> God. So they get into a little pond jumper what plane. What a swanky bachelor. Oh, and so yeah, he's, he's wheeling and dealing. He's a pilot. They have to take a little small plane. He that's the becomes the love interest 
of Ellen Brody. The entire movie is about, they leave, let's talk about where they're at. They're, they're at Amity, which is Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, yeah. And they go all the way to the Bahamas, NASA, and that damn shark follows them <laughs> the whole way. Even though they don't belong in warm waters. Right, right, yeah. Ellen Brody has lost her mind and she like everywhere she looks, she sees sharks. Yeah. But then lo and behold, the shark shows up. Yeah. And this entire movie is basically about Mario Van Peebles, who is playing Michael's partner, and he has this thirst. He's like, oh my God, this is a great white shark. We have to study it. We have to learn about it. We have to put this tracking device on it. And the fact that Michael didn't tell his mother this- It's insane. Is insane. Like, like I get why he didn't tell her this, but it's still insane to me. So the love interest increases. The, Michael Caine laying on thick. Yeah, oh, he laid it on very thick. Finally, there's an attack where it all comes out, and they're on one of those like little inflatable bananas. Again, yeah. And again, this shark leaps out of the water and like rips this woman's leg off. Yep. And you have this attack happen and Ellen Brody's had enough. She's like, I'm taking the boat and killing the shark. I, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I am going to talk about a couple things about the killing of the shark. So they, she goes to kill the shark. Jake, who's played by Mario Van Peebles, but I like saying Mario Van Peebles, but we'll say Jake. <laughs> Jake puts this device inside of the shark's mouth His that, uncle that he swallows <laughs> that like when you press a button, it like irritates the shark. So they hops out of the water. I don't think that's right. No, there's a lot that's not right. So, they hit the button, the shark jumps out of the water, and Ellen Brody, mimicking the smile, you son of a you-know-what, does the same scene and then takes the bow of the boat or the whatever the hell it's called, yeah. the pointy thing at the front, jams it through the shark, which explodes. The shark explodes. Why does the shark explode? No idea. And the shark roars. Yeah. Do you hear him roar? <laughs> I want to talk to you about the roar. That roar sound effect was taken from a Tom and Jerry cartoon because nobody wanted to create a roar sound effect yeah. because sharks don't roar. So no. like they were like, I'm, I'm not creating this. This is insane. What's well, like Anaconda. You ever seen that? The, I have not. The, the snake roars. Oh, that's amazing. Well, maybe that's, they're paying a tip of the hat to, <laughs> to Jaws. So that's the movie. But I want to talk about two. I want to talk about some behind the scenes stuff. I want to talk about why I love the movie. Well, also, how did Jake survive? Well, that's that's not important. Jake gets munched on it's pretty badly. It's funny that you even are worried about that. Let's talk about some other things instead, because there is a lot of nonsense that went into this movie. So it shows <laughs> a lot. The first Jaws, nine million to make. 472 million take home. The, se the second Jaws, 30 million to make, 208 million take home. Good. Third Jaws, 18 million to make, 88 million take home. Still, and still the fourth, 23 million to make, 51 million take home. Michael Caine, his quotes on this movie, which he's to this day has never seen, are incredible. He said it bought a, like, a nice house for He him, literally right? read the opening scene of the script, which said, like, like interior. Hawaii. Yeah. He's like, I've always wanted to be in Hawaii. Like, I mean, I'm sounding like Sean Connery. He's like, I'm Michael Caine. That's, that's it. He literally just did it so that he could like make a little bit of money and have some fun. That's how Adam Sandler does his movies now. I, he's, his whole movies are a whole different thing. It's got a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, there which is. I didn't talk a lot about Rotten Tomatoes, but so here's one that I love, right? They rushed to get this film out in 87 and it is speculated to offset the damage done by Howard the Duck. <laughs> like, talk about doubling down. Whoops. Yeah. Uh-oh. Every single thing about this movie to me is glorious. So I'll give you the two reasons why it has a sweet spot in my heart. Number one, I saw this movie in the theater with my dad. Oh, I, I, yeah. I remember vividly seeing this movie in the theater with Were my dad. Were you guys dad. laughing? No, I was terrified. I really? was I was a little, too. It was 87. Yeah. I was 12 years old. I came home that night, laid in bed, terrified. My dad came over, kneeled next to my bed, and he's like, it's going to be fine. I go, it's not going to be fine. And my dad said, <laughs> my dad said, Mo, a shark is not going to come into your room. For a shark to make it into your room and kill you, it would have to have a jetpack on. Thank you, dad. <laughs> Nightmares of jetpacks on sharks for like a month after that coming in a room and killing Sharks me. with lasers on their freaking head. Yes. That is the first reason why I love this movie. The second reason is one of my three favorite original NES Nintendo Entertainment System video games ever mm. is Jaws the Revenge. You've probably never played the game. Do you play as a shark? You no don't play way. as a shark. You oh. don't play as a shark. The video game itself is heralded as being one of the best video games the NES ever came out with. Really? And it's got all these different types of scenes. Like there's one where you're a scuba diver and you're getting conch shells yeah. and then you build up money. There's another one where if you hit the shark in your boat, when you're on the map, you get into a scene where the shark is coming at you. And when you press a button, it'll bring the shark out of the water. And then you press another button to move your boat to stab the shark. Oh, that's cool. It's got a whole, it's, it's a great video did game. Did you beat it? I, I did. It's one of the few games I've actually beaten because I never have the patience. Super to punch out is really hard. Yeah. Mike Tyson yeah, can't yeah. get him. I, it's, you got to play this game. This is a romantic period of my life where I just, I love this movie, but I, I even, enjoyed it. but I even objectively can tell you it is. I mean, even like, it's you nice remember setting, Back the to the Future 2, they made fun of Jaws 3D. Like yeah. this 
this thing is lampooned all the time. It's just hot, stinky garbage, but this trash panda will feast nom, on nom, it nom, nom. anytime. I really liked it. This was I, my favorite of the I, five. I, oh, this is your, oh, not of all the Jaws movies. No. Okay. I thought you said Jaws 4 is your favorite. You okay. forced me, Got force fed me. Well, <laughs> Max, we just went through our guiltier pleasures, but I would Does love- that mean the next one be guiltiest? No. <laughs> Guilty is dead. We'll call it Death Row <laughs> Pleasures. Um, Ooh, but Death Row movies would be a fun episode. There's, there are that many in the 80s? No, I'm saying like if we're on Death Row, we get oh, to watch right, three so, movies. Right, there you go. I was like, Green Mile's the only one I got yeah. there. Uh, Max, Max, focus. Yeah. Are you ready for the Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight? Is it Michael Clark Duncan? No. Oh. Max, today's Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight is your arch nemesis. <laughs> She knows as much about the 80s as we do. She does. And it intimidates me sometimes. Samantha, uh, for those of you who have not heard Max talk about this, Max and Samantha have an ongoing rivalry about what the best year of 80s movies is. I thought it was 84 just by standard definition. And I keep realizing 86. 86 is a good year. That's all these movies I love. Yeah, Sam's awesome. I mean, you can follow her on Instagram. It's really fun. It's Sam is vintage just all together. She works for a large auction gallery in New York. And she has stories like she's talked to Donald Sutherland. I know. Yeah. Which I don't understand why she hasn't gotten him on the show yet, but whatever. That's, you know, neither here nor there. What was his 80s like? I, who cares? Yeah. It's Donald Sutherland. <laughs> I know. I want to talk to him about nothing other well, than Kiefer. backdraft. I, just want to talk Ke- about, I, I want to talk about backdraft. Okay. We can get Kiefer then. Though. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. So when I was sick with the COVID, she was trying to get. She, I, I'm shame on me. I apologize. She's been trying to get me to watch this Netflix movie. It's a more recent movie, but it's got like a good Goonies feel to it. And I yeah. just haven't gotten to it yet, so I apologize, Samantha. But I am curious what her guilty pleasure is, and I can't wait to hear her talk because she is like Jersey fresh. She's oh, got. Yeah. She's got she's like Daniel's mom. Yeah, she's, Daniel she's big time, mom. big time. Yeah. So let's hear what she has to say. Hey, Buzz in the Tower. This is Samantha from Instagram. Sam is vintage. I'm here today as a guest to talk about my favorite 80s guilty pleasure films. It's going to surprise you guys. It's not from 86. Do you know what it is? It's actually from 1989's The Little Monsters. Did I surprise you? I surprise myself sometimes. So it stars Fred Savage as Brian, Howie Mandel as Maurice, the monster living under his bed. The opening scene has Fred Savage's character, Brian, going downstairs to make a peanut butter and onion sandwich. No wonder why this kid cries. He has no friends. Brian then learns that he could travel with Maurice to the monster realm and scare havoc on all the kids in the neighborhood. They go to the bully's house. They pull out his lunch for the next day. They empty out the tuna from the sandwich, put cat food inside. They empty out the apple juice from the drink and pour in Maurice's pee. They put the sandwich back in. They put the juice back in the fridge, wait for the next day and watch everything unravel and laugh. This brings the attention to the bully of the monster realm, and his name is The Boy. And The Boy wants Brian all to himself, and he thinks the only way to get him to himself is to kidnap his little brother, Eric. And because of this, Brian has to recruit other kids that believe in the monster realm so they could save his brother. A battle erupts between the kids and the, and the monsters. Maurice pulls out a flamethrower out of thin air. They all escape without getting burned. Well, of course, The Boy gets flame like cream brulee. With a race against the clock, the Goonie-esque monster squad have a small window of opportunity to get back to a random California beach before the time erupts and before they become monsters. Everyone is safe. They call their parents and say, I'm in California, 3,000 miles away. Boom, come and get me. Movie over. Everyone has a feel-good moment. Hey, well, that's my Friday night Netflix and chill guilty pleasure. I'm so honored to be on Buzzing the Tower and be able to chat with my friends Mo and Max about all 80s movies. Thanks for having me, guys. Max, I, you know I love Little Monsters. I know, you brought it up multiple times. I love, I love that movie. I still need to see it. I love that usually our spotlights are more about the opinion of the film, and she just gave like a one-minute breakdown of that entire movie flawlessly. Like, that really is good. exactly yeah. the whole movie. And I like how she's like, boom, pow, We, we should have been like, spoiler alert, she is going to tell everything about the movie, but it's great. I we love should, Fred Savage. I, I'm yeah. a big fan. We should do a new segment, Sam Ruins a Movie in 60 Seconds. <laughs> Sam Ruins a Movie. In, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, well, Sam, thank you for listening, support, and for your amazing pick and for always getting under Max's skin. That's uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. 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 Max, that wraps. And uh, now is a perfect time to remind everyone that they need to rate, review, follow, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Gosh, what else? TikTok. 
Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, 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 Twit something. Twitter's the yeah, wide receiver from Varsity Blues. Yeah. You look like you, oh, I can't even say the quote. I was about to give them my favorite <laughs> quote for that movie about falling out of a tree and hitting every branch on the way down. <laughs> Playing West Cayman football might have been the opportunity of a lifetime for you. I don't want your life. I don't want your life. Max. It's great to be back in the studio. I know. It's great to see. Thanks. Like, you had to say it. Like, everyone doesn't know. I love saying Vanderbilt. I was literally just about to say it's great to be back in the studio with you, and now I don't even want to. I just want out. I want to go home. I don't want to be around you anymore. Get out of here. Max, until next week. C'est la vie, guilty pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.